So without further ado, can we give it up for my mom, Pastor Melissa Cadell, up in the house here today. Love you, mom. Get after it, Angie. <laughs> Have fun. Good morning, Pearl Street. Amen. Well, let me get turned around here. Turned around and opened up. Okay. Well, I want to make sure before I get started, because Brent told me just to go, just to go, okay? I am so excited to be with you. And I will tell you that we had big vision when we were looking for offices down in this area because we needed space. Yes, we had a church, but Brent was the youth pastor then and had his office out on the balcony walkway because we had every inch being used for after school, for a school, a Christian school there, a lot of activity going on. So we were like, man, we need office space. We had launched our oldest son out to Rebel Church. It's what it's called today. And we were like, well, let's get a central place. So we were like, hey, the Pearl area is cool. You know, let's go down there. Um, although my father retired from Pearlbury with 42 years, I was not um, a stranger to the Pearl area for all through my life. We would go there to see Dad. So it was a comfortable place. I was like, let's go do an office down there. So we made a contract, thought we were fixing a sign. And the day we came to sign, they had given the space over to someone else that had already leased some space and needed extra. So we were like, what do we do? Well, I don't know how we had missed the sign on the side of this building that whole time, but it was about from one end to the other with the big phone number that said for lease. So we wrote the phone number down, got home, walked into the kitchen. I still remember standing there right inside the door, and I made a phone call. And on the other end, the person that I now know as Barbara answered the phone. And she said, hello, who is this? I can't believe you got me. I'm out in the middle of the ocean on a cruise and I haven't had phone service this whole time. And I said, well, so I gave her my, our thoughts, what we were looking for. And her words back to me were, how about you believe for a church? Are you willing to believe for a church? Because I have faith to have a church. In fact, I've already had uh, gone down to the, the city, and she had set in place 10 assumed names for Pearl Street. Now, it wasn't Pearl Street Church, but she had every kind of pearl and everything you could think of. It was going to be pearly gates and everything. She says, and I have that. So I tell you what, if you will meet me on Saturday, I want to talk to you. So we met with her, long story short. That day began the vision to carry out for your pastor, Pastor Brent, yes, to fulfill his calling. He knew. In fact, on his desk, he had this real retro scene of a downtown cool-looking place as vision, right, son, above his desk. And we walked in and said, hey, we got the place. He was like, well, what? So very quickly, like within months, God planted that church you out. And what's beautiful is we have been able to see you make the history in this area. It, it, Pearl Street is history. And you know what? If they don't know about it, I tell them. Okay? So, Pearl Street Church, you have served your community well. 
Yes, you have. And you're going to continue with the beauty of what God's given you to see many more life changes come to Christ. So thank you, Brent. Heather's not here. She'll be here in a little bit. But thank those two. You know, they lived out trusting God. you you got to hear this. I'm going to say it fast because I have to talk faster. So we saw them as young people date each other, make decisions for believing for the future, looking at what they were going to do to pursue their lives. Britain was called to ministry. Heather was called to be the doctor she is today. How was that going to happen? But we saw the beauty and, and pastored them through, and fathered and mothered them through to see that God allowed them in the miraculous hand of the Lord to get that accomplished. And Heather didn't have to leave San Antonio. Who, who gets to do all of their education for medical school and residency in one place? They just don't. That's God's hand. We were praying for that. We were believing for that. So thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness. And you have an awesome pastor. He's my crazy son. That's my joke. That's just my joke, okay? I had to do one mom joke. Okay. So let's get started. The sermon today is called, It's Time to Hear. The word says, open your ears to hear, your eyes to see. In fact, it gives the correction to his own people. God gave us correction to his own people. Step aside for your sinful ways. Because as long as you're there, you cannot see and you cannot hear. So my gifting is I'm a prophet and I'm a, a, a rebuker. So, Brenda, that's mom, okay? So that's just in my nature. And that's okay because God called me to be that. So you have to know that you have to get in the place where you can hear. But today, that's the focus is to hear. And I want to help you be able to process through and how to do that. So we're going to come to the place of how do we hear from God? How do we hear from God? And how do we enter in with God? Have not we all asked that question? We do. We ask that. Wow, you hear from God. I even ask my husband sometimes. Okay, I know you said that, but not tell me how you heard. Not that I don't know how to hear. I want to know how he heard. God told you that. I want to hear. So we do it by God's way. God had a pattern, a plan. He gave that plan out whenever Moses came down from off of Mount Sinai. He came down with the Ten Commandments. Because see, the children of Israel had been in bondage and had been set free. And now it was time to prepare them to cross over to the promised land. So Moses had gone up and had received the Ten Commandments. When he came down, the Lord said, not right away, but in the story. Okay, I'm going to paraphrase it. He wanted him to get, build a tabernacle so that God could dwell there here on earth. God's presence to earth. One thing you need to know is revival comes, yes, by what your pastor already told you. And we're going to talk about that. Is the personal change within your own heart. But revival comes because God himself supernaturally comes to earth. There is a revival movement of God supernaturally coming to earth. It happens. It's a transfer. But we, of course, carry the spirit of God. So God, in the beginning, created man, said we need a side mate. 
took a rib. The original word for that rib in Hebrew actually means a tabernacle, a piece of wood. We are the breathing, moving tabernacle of the Holy Spirit. So God had a plan. He said, I want to be with you. I was removed from you in the, in the garden because of the sin, but I have a plan. Can I come and dwell with you? So he had the people give of themselves. They give of their possessions. They gave of their time. He equipped craftsmen to be able to do the work. They gave of gold, silver, bronze. They gave of all kinds of fine linens. They gave of all types of animal hides in order to build that mobile tabernacle. Because when the presence of the Lord came down upon that tabernacle, it was tangible. They could see it. But when the tangible spirit lifted, the tabernacle moved, and the people knew when to move. So God was given directions. By his holy presence, he gave the directives. So when we look at this, that God had a pattern. He had a plan. He wanted a place to dwell on earth. At this time, only Moses was hearing from God. You know, the story, go up the top of that mountain, it's a pretty scary place, right? The people ran from the mountain, but Moses would go on and ascend up. He was the only one that was hearing from God. But God said, I need a place. The tabernacle has purpose. It was the place where he revealed the plan because he wanted to be able to dwell with his people. So the scripture says in Exodus 40, 34, that's the scripture reference that is to support the cloud. The cloud covered the tabernacle and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Now it took a while to get that built and things to happen. But once it did, and Aaron, who was appointed high priest at that time, blessed it all. We're not preaching on the tabernacle today. That's like a whole series, okay? But I want you to catch hold of something. That once that happened, then God was able to come down with his presence. It says the cloud came down, but the glory filled the temple. See, the glory was God. Now, how amazing is it that the people could look and see? Now, understand, his presence was there, but they could not be present with him because there was no access. So they would look and they could see that the, the tabernacle, God was there. His cloud's there. God's there in the daytime. I can see him. At night, it says the fire came and it dwelt in the cloud. So they could say, hey, Pearl Street Church, you know your lightning bolt? Think about that. The fire of God in a cloud is the revival you're asking for. The fire of God in that cloud, they would look out and say, wow, God's still there because I can see him. It's nighttime. I can see that God is still there. But they couldn't be with him. Because only the priest could consecrate and be able to enter in. So the beautiful thing that I want to cross us over to is found in scripture. That Christ was the sacrifice once and for all. So in Hebrews 10, 1 through 25, I'm going to paraphrase it for you. So it's all up there on the screen. But I'm going to just paraphrase it. But I want you to understand that God had a plan he wanted to be with us. He's always wanted to be with you. So we had to set up a plan. And it says in scripture that he set up the plan that he would send his son, Jesus. And Jesus is writing this. And he's saying, you know, I know there was a plan. 
that didn't work for you, God. The sacrifice of the bulls and the goats to atone for sin. That's basically what the paraphrase of this is. Jesus himself is saying, I know that didn't work for you. That you actually prepared a body. Jesus was prepared to be in a body. To come so that he could be the ultimate sacrifice for our sins. And in this scripture, God showed me in the middle of the night that Jesus actually says... I accept what was written in the scrolls. I accept to become the body. I accept to become the sacrifice, the one and final sacrifice. He accepted that. He made the decision for that. And it says that the first plan was set aside for the second plan because the bulls and goats were never meant to atone for our sin. We needed a final sacrifice. You know, today they still do that. Over and over, every year, every year, people still do that because they haven't accepted the work of Christ on the cross for forgiveness for their sins. But Jesus was the final sacrifice. So we're crossing that because in that scripture, my paraphrase is, it says that when he was sacrificed, that his body actually was the curtain that was torn. His body represents the tearing of the veil that separated us from the Holy of Holies where God was. See, in the tabernacle, there was a Holy of Holies place. That was the place that Aaron would consecrate himself and go in. And in that place was those Ten Commandments that Moses had brought down. And in the Holy of Holies, they were there in the ark. But upon that ark was the mercy seat. So we needed access. So Jesus said, I became that access. So now we enter through, through the work of the body of Christ. His body that was sacrificed for our forgiveness of our sins. So now we enter in. So that's important for us to catch hold of, that he did that work for us. And as we accept that, then we now are the, still, the living, breathing tabernacle of the Lord. Think about that. Whenever you think about yourself, Think about you were created, and it was called all through Scripture every time you find the reference that the rib was the tabernacle. That's the symbolism of who you are. So as a worship of the tabernacle, we want to look at that in the points of the sermon today, that Christ for all was sacrificed. So when we talk about it's time to hear, we have been in a time of corporate worship. One of the most beautiful things to experience corporately is that you come to a place where you've joined together and now you can all experience, although very different in what he does in each of us, we can all experience that together. That's the beauty of what it means to be in worship together. When we talk about true worship, we really are talking about intimate relationship. That's what true worship is. It's allowing yourself to take the time to position yourself to be beyond the veil, <laughs> to be in that place. It comes through salvation that we get to that place where we can be before the Lord so that we can then make our needs known. So the first point that I want to make is that 
in your innermost being, you have to know that you may think you know what worship is. And we do, we see, right? We say, that's worship. But really, the first point is, oh, but I know how to worship already. We think that we know. So what I want to help you see is that intimacy with the Lord is something that you have to continue to desire in your life. My mother-in-law, who's 89, told us the other day at the, at the breakfast table, she said, well, the Lord has asked me to do a 21-day fast from TV. And my husband made a joke. Oh, wow, Daddy, you got to give up Hallmark, you know? I mean, how bad is Hallmark, you know? And she's, she laughed and, you know, talked about it. And, but what's, what I cannot wait to see what my 89-year-old faithful mother-in-law is going to hear from the Lord in 21 days. I'm excited to hear what God's going to speak to her. You're never at a point where you can't hear what God has to speak to you. So worship is really, it's not the song we sing. It is not. Yes, it is. It's not the prayer we pray. Yes, it is. But it's the intimate place that we come to through whatever it takes to get us through the veils that have blocked us. Jesus opened it, but I think sometimes we have struggles. Struggles, you're gonna, they're going to pursue you. Struggles in the place where you just say, how do I get past this? I feel like I'm so far away. We have to evaluate ourselves. See, that's personal revival. Your pastor talked about that. Y'all have been studying that. So personal revival has to get in place so that we can get into where we can enter God's presence. So that his supernatural can begin to move amongst us. So when we look at worship, we have a reflection that worship is much more than just a song. It is a place that we come to hear him. It's a place that we get lost do you ever get lost in worship? I know you do. They're awesome. The worship team is awesome. Mario's been doing this for a lot of years. So you get to that place where you get lost. Doesn't matter what's going on around you. Then do you find that you start to have clarity of things? The Lord begins to speak. He begins to give direction. He begins to give guidance. So worship's important, but don't ever think that you know it all. Okay? Worship has more. The second one is we want to hear him according to pattern. The Lord had the pattern, and we follow that. It's access to him through his son Jesus. Don't battle what he's given in provision. He paid the price. Don't reject the provision that's been given for your access to enter. So, it is important we always understand that God has a pattern. And in this pattern, it is found in Hebrews 4.16. It says, so now we draw near freely and boldly to where grace is enthroned, to receive mercy's kiss and discover the grace we urgently need to strengthen us in our time of weakness. So God has set forth a pattern for prayer forth. In other words, more. God's way, it's not our way. It's his way. He's in charge. And all the time you are in prayer, you will be developing and growing in him. And this should put you in a place that you actually become more dependent on him. Sometimes do you question when you're talking to somebody and they say, 
oh, I'm going to need to pray about that. Does your nature say, why do you need to pray about that? Have you ever done that? You're like, that's practical. I mean, just make a decision. Sometimes when we're in those places where we think we're making a decision that we think God's approved of, we've made it way before we've ever been before him. So ourself is in the way. Because see, when you're going to enter into his presence, we have to know that we have to set aside the flesh. <laughs> You've got to get the flesh out of the way, which means when it's time to be with the Lord, we've got to make sure we've made the place for that to happen. Whether that means getting up early, staying up late. I did a little bit of that to prepare for today. But on a regular basis, getting up early, staying up late, making the place. You know, people that go to places to transform their lives from addiction, the first thing they do is they arrive, arise at 530 in the morning and they spend an hour with the Lord. And it transforms them in a year. But guess what? If they stop it, they can relapse and go back. You know what? If you stop it, you can relapse and go back. You can't. You have to. It doesn't matter how old you are. You have to make the time and put it in your day that you can get before the Lord. Because when we are in that place, we can confidently know that he has answered us. We become more like him. We think more like him. Sometimes I tell my husband, you're such a pastor, you know, because I know that he spends time with the Lord. And there's discussions, and the way he responds to things, I'm like, wow, you're such a pastor. But, you know, do you meet people that you say, wow, they're just so nice? And it's trueness. Because they've been in a place where they've allowed the Lord to work through them. So if we feel, you know, I felt rich. There was a popular word one time, okay? I didn't plan to say this, but it's going to be funny, I think. <laughs> you girls, some, there was a joke a while back that y'all said, I'm so wretched. Y'all used to say that? Okay. <laughs> All right. I seriously was going a season in my life where I felt wretched. I needed a work inside of me to be done. I felt my way has got, had gotten off. I felt that way as a pastor's wife, as a mom of all these wonderful young men of God. And I told the girls, often I said, I just feel so wretched. And they were like, what, Pastor Melissa? You know, and then they told me the joke. But seriously, seriously, the wretchedness of our life will be solved when we go before the Lord and say, reveal in me any." Thing that is off, that is not pleasing to you. Set aside that flesh of myself. Let me enter into where I can truly hear what you want and not my own. Because you know what? If we're saying God said on a lot of things that he is not, it is going to fail eventually. Just know it's going to fail. It will. Be confident when you know that you've heard from the Lord. So we have to know that it's getting ourselves right. That's that revival within ourselves. I'm ready for revival. Are you ready for revival? Yes. I think our world is primed and ready for the move of God. 
So what I want to do is the third point in hearing him is in his presence. To hear him, it is there. It's in his presence. It's called the secret place. It's the place that we are transformed in his likeness. So the more you surrender to God, the more you desire to be with him. It's no longer your agenda. It's his agenda. Your life, your way of thinking, everything is what happened today with the baptism. It's the changing. It's a transformation. It's now that you want to walk out this life. You want to have his character. You want to have his ways. You want to have his thoughts. You want to have his peace. The peace of God is such a confirming to us. His order and mostly his timing. As believers, I think sometimes we get so anxious about the things of God. I'm anxious right now about the things of God. I am anxious about, personally anxious about the things that I know God has for us. But I got to wait. I need to get in the throne room. I haven't been there yet on the issue. And I know I need to hear. You need to be in the throne room. Your pastor needs you to be there. He needs you to be there because there you're going to get confirmations for who you are in Christ. Which then strengthens your giftings of what I'm called to do. And in that, you can speak into his life, and it will confirm things that he's believing for you. Because he didn't sign on a building just for himself, right? It was for you. It's for the work that God's called you to. So I encourage this place. I encourage his presence for your life. You know what this is called? It's called being in him and abiding in him. Being in him and abiding in him. Now, you know what? We don't get legalistic about this. It may not get to happen every day. But I guarantee you, when you get off, like when your pastor or your mentor in your life or a good friend says to you, have you prayed about that? Maybe they've seen you acting a little off. Maybe you've kind of stepped back into some old patterns of sinful choices, right? Because it felt comfortable. And you're wondering why all of this is going on, confusion is going on in your life. And you're explaining that to someone who is caring for you, who's accountable, you're accountable to. And they say, have you prayed? What they're saying is, man, you need to get before Jesus. You need to hear what he has to say about your life. That's what they're saying. They're not there to give the answers. They're there to give the guidance. Yes, they deliver the word and it's powerful. And through the Holy Spirit, it anoints and it pierces to the changing of our hearts. But when it's just plain old talk and they say, have you prayed about this? It's a holy hush. (laughs) It's a, wait a second. I need to get to the place where I can give the answer that I know without a doubt God's told me, right? I encourage you in that. So here we're going to move into the, the point that really the others are supporting this is that when we hear from God and we get into the pattern of getting into the place through Jesus Christ to come before him and we're in his presence, now it's time to be strengthened. Because that scripture tells us, the last part of it, the same scripture we read earlier, 
in Hebrews 4.16. So, so now we draw near freely and boldly to where grace is enthroned to receive mercy's kiss and discover the grace we urgently need to strengthen us in our time of weakness. So that part, time of weakness, time of weakness, the Greek word is bothia. That word means, the, the word bothia means urgent help. It's often used like something needs to be reinforced. So the cross-reference in Scripture is found in Acts 27, 17. And in that Scripture, it's talking about the time when Paul was having to make a missionary journey. Well, you know, he did missionary journeys. This was, well, it sort of, it was a missionary journey. I mean, ultimately, he was going before Caesar to stand trial because he had been professing Christ crucified. And the answer to all the questions that people had in that day and time, right after Christ was crucified, resurrected, he was taken into imprisonment for preaching. So ultimately, he had to go. He requested it because it was his fate to go stand before Caesar because there's a lot that happened along that way. That was the fate that Paul had. But when we talk about the strengthening that takes place, See, Paul was on a ship, a journey, a voyage. And on that voyage, a lot of things took place. It took a while to get there. And so in that process, in the scripture that crosses to your time of need, when we come before the Lord, yes, we need answers for should we buy that house or should we not buy that house? That's practical. But sometimes the answers are much more deeper than that because we got issues that are happening in our lives that are not pleasing before the Lord. So we have to get to a place. And that word says that they begin to strengthen the boat with ropes. So that's the kind of dire strait or big problem they were in. They were in the middle of the ocean. It was a group of 276 men. And they, that included Paul. And they had been on a journey from different islands trying to get their way. And they came across a situation where it was a storm that was so bad, they didn't see the sky and they didn't see the stars. They didn't see the sky during the day. They couldn't see the stars at night because it was such a storm. But you know what happened? They were all blessed because Paul... Paul had a relationship. Paul got before God and cried out. And God sent an angel. And God told Paul, you're not going to die. You're going to make it to what your fate is. Your fate is to stand before Caesar. You will make it there. And not one of the people that are with you will die. Not one hair on their head will be lost. So he spoke that to them and understand that still 14 more days they were in a horrible storm. They didn't eat. Think, put yourself there. Think about where you would be out in the middle of the ocean being tossed around for 14 days. And you had a man who was a prisoner, but I know the story came through the crowd of who Paul was. that he had faith and he had gotten before the Lord and not one of them was going to die. Now understand, it went through some rough things. 
They had a lot of difficulty. Have we not had difficulties? They had to persevere. There was a lot of fear. There was a lot of needing encouragement. If you read through that story in Acts 27, there's so much that was going on. If you just put yourself in that situation and think about what would you have had going on in your life. I mean, put yourself with what you have going on right now in your life, right? So thinking on that, they had a plan. Because see, strategy comes in the throne room. Pastors, you got, I'm ready to be in the throne room for strategy. But I'm ready. We're, we thought we were retiring, but we're not. So, because <laughs> God said. So we're, we got to get in the throne room because I'm like, okay, we were doing this. Now we got to do this. So we got to get in the throne room. Strategy comes in the throne room. They were wrapping that boat up. They were setting out anchors that would drag the ground to keep it from being tossed around. They were working together as a team in the strategy to accomplish. But what happened is the storm was bad. And they saw they were getting close to shore. And then all of a sudden, getting close to shore, they said, Paul comes back out and he tells them, look, we're going to all eat, all right? I know you've been starving for 14 days. Let's all eat. He said, we're going to break bread and be thankful. We're going to break bread and be thankful. Then we're going to throw all the grain overboard, get the boat as light as can be. We're going to cut the anchors that are holding us, and we're just going to let the boat go to shore, to the sandy beach. That was a plan. So when they did, the boat took off, and it stuck in the sandbar. It says the bow stuck. The stern and the rudder, the back of the boat just started getting beaten by waves. So there's a lot of frightening things going on, thinking about killing all the prisoners so that no one would escape. But Paul reminded them, no, we can't do that. Because God said not one would be lost. If you do, we'll all be lost. So the man in charge of the ship gave a command. He said, if you can swim, jump out because this ship's going down. Swim to shore. If you can't swim, grab a plank. Grab a board or a piece off of this ship because it's going down. And jump off and let the plank take you into shore. Now, I don't know about you, but in my situation, if I was having to walk through a season where I felt like I had a plank to take me to shore, I don't know that I would be celebrating that God had saved me. I would say, wait, <laughs> saving would have been the ship, making it all the way to the port, me walking off without getting wet. Thank you, God, for saving me. Right? So would we be saying the same thing? Question, that's the revival of the heart. Would we be saying the same thing? That God, I'm going to trust you no matter what. You're God, I'm going to trust you. I don't know your church family as well as, of course, our church family. I know some of you, but I know that there are some of you who, who experience great loss in the last few years. You had a great loss right here within your close people to the church. We had the same thing. And I'm telling you, God spoke this to me that I delivered to our leaders this same thing. Because I was in worship one morning on the front row. And I told the Lord as we were singing, 
that song, You Will Not Fail. And it goes, fail. It's got a real cool movement part there. And they just keep saying it over and over. And I'm sitting there and I'm seeing it. And I'm like, wait, I know there are people in this room that think you failed them, God. I know. I know they're questioning and wondering what has been up. And so in my cry out to God, in my study, he showed me this piece so I could share it with them at a leader night. And I had one of the young women that came up to me who lost her husband in a tragic accident. She's our lead usher. Lost her husband in a tragic accident. Mother of four. Right when COVID hit. Got the phone call that morning early and I'm just, it's reality. I'm telling you, she came up to me and she said, Pastor Bliss, I've not even jumped off the boat yet. I am so fearful of what's ahead. So I know, I know that you have to get to the place that you know that God ultimately above anything else you can trust him. Are we going to trust him today? Does it matter? But he says it, it's to be done. It may not look like the way we think it's going to look. It may not happen the way that we would have it to happen, but it's in God's plan. When we hear from him, we can be confident that he'll fulfill it. So I want to just ask you, I know the Holy Spirit has been speaking. We're just going to pray. Holy Spirit, I know, Father, that these are your people. And Lord, you know them and you love them. And you are waiting in this time, Lord. You have come into this place. You're waiting for this moment, Lord, to speak into their heart. That thing that they're saying, oh, that's a wretched place in me. That is not right. I want personal revival, God. I want to be able to come in and join in with my other brothers and sisters in Christ at Pearl Street. And in this movement, I want us to just be prepared for all that God has in reaching people. And I want to be one of those. I want to be counted. So, Lord, take my heart this day. Work within me. Encourage me. to take time to hear from you, God. I want to be used in my giftings. I want to make a difference. So, Father, I ask, Lord, that you move mightily in each of these hearts today. If you're here in this space and and you're just like, that's me, there's something I'm dealing with, just raise your hand. We're just going to just commit it to prayer as we close out the service. Lord Jesus, across the room, Father, we have people, Lord, who are identifying with a time in their life, Lord, where it's the trust issue, that you're sovereign God, you're in control, and so I speak into their life that their self, their will, their earthly desire is set aside for the greater things that God has for them, the greater direction, the clarity of mind, the power that comes from knowing you, Father, with the power of the Holy Spirit in their life. So, Father, this day, commit their lives before you. And we thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We're going to go ahead and close the service. Amen. Call our pastor. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Thank you, Mom. Well, there's only... Moms just have a way of saying things that just hit different, right? It's like, man, you're always up there screaming. 
Thank you for a mom that came in to say it differently. Thank you, mom. I love you. Mom and dad. Faithfulness. Now, my dad feels like he's got a word for a Rachel. If you're a Rachel in the house, what I want you to do is come talk to my dad right after this service. He's, he's got something to speak to you. Just name Rachel. Go see dad. Don't be afraid. Right? Trust the Lord. Now, the beautiful thing about that, man, just the prophetic word, is once you get into that place where nothing else matters in life, nothing else matters, you can fully trust the Lord with your life. Pearl Street Church, we're here to just like, that's what we want for every person that walks through these doors is forget the shame of sin, walk in the freedom of salvation, and don't give a rip about a world that is trying to take you out. Love Jesus. Move forward. You live there, man. God can do anything. And you can live. Man, it doesn't matter if you came in on a board or you came in like an Olympic swimmer. Come on, somebody. doesn't matter how you came in. What it means is you are saved. And by being saved, you got a calling. If you got a calling on your life, you might as well use it to build the kingdom. Let's bring glory to Jesus Christ. Let's do great things and do it together. Amen. Well, we're going to uh, take up this time of an offering. If you want to give or tithe or whatever you're going to do, whatever it is for you, if it's offering, tithe, whatever it is, we're a house that stands on faithfulness. You know, I'm encouraged this last week by an individual that sent a praise report into our church. It's Kim Krusen inside of our church, and she's a single mom, been a single mom for years, um, I, I believe for the entire uh, time of her son being born, and she's been a single mom. But here's the beauty. She gave her life to Jesus, and she submitted herself to the obedience of giving. And with that, she is a faithful and obedient tither to Pearl Street Church. She gives faithfully. Sometimes whenever you give and you're obedient, you sit back and you're like, well, what God, right? Like, what, what is this? What does this all mean? We look at it in the natural. God just says in the supernatural, in the spiritual, obedience is better than sacrifice. This isn't a sacrifice, this is obedient. You give your treasure where your heart is. And oftentimes our treasure is in this world and it's not in the kingdom things. It's not the godly things. And I love how Kim Krusen is obedient tither. It doesn't make sense. This last week she sent a praise report to say, hey, I just found out my son, who's in medical school, all of his schooling just got paid for, all of it. They just got paid for. Don't gotta pay a dime, got paid for. I don't know, what is that, $70,000, $150,000? Here's the beautiful thing. What we find in God's word is um, the measure in which you give, you shall receive a good measure pressed down, shaking together and running over. Here's the deal. We can't give, outgive God. If we live in obedience, God's faithfulness will always chase us down. If we live in the natural thinking, God, what? We never step into that supernatural and say, God, we know your word is true and we will stand firm upon it. Here's the beauty. If you're not a tither today and walking in that obedience, step out and do something. Trust God with something. He's entrusting you with a lot. Right? You got 100% of a paycheck today. Amen? He's entrusted you with a lot. Can you trust him with some of what you have? And if you can, watch out for the blessings of God because Malachi 3.10 says he will open a can a blessing on your life. Actually, he says open a window, but I say open a can. I like it better. It sounds better to me. You know, it gets me a little fire. Like, can of what on me? What is he? Gonna? A blessing. Amen. That's the God in which we serve that wants to open blessing on our lives. 
Because when we walk in obedience and God shows up, it's undeniable that there's a supernatural God that's at work in our lives. Once you've got your own testimony, there ain't nothing the devil can do or no liar of the enemy can do to convince you that he ain't real. Amen? He's el jefe. Amen. We love you guys. You can give on the way out as you're doing that. A lot of things going on inside of the church. Check in online. Thank you, Mom. Can you give it up one more time for my lovely mother? Incredible parents. Now, here's the deal. You got to go because we got two more services. God bless you. Love you. Have a good afternoon.